everyone, and welcome back to A Theater Near You. I am your host, Chris Randazzo, and joining me this evening, as always, our stretchy-faced apparition, Paul Giroux. I have to stop you here, Chris. You can't introduce us. You're not in charge of this. Oh? Yeah, because I'm here, I'm going to be the dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll introduce you all. Uh, I'll introduce Sean first. Uh, Sean, here's your character sheet. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. You are a Hilldorf cleric named Kevin. Um, and uh, on the back is, um, on the back is like a character description. It's really good at this point to like sort of explore your character and like who they are. So go ahead, read your character description for Claire, for, uh, for Kevin. Kevin the Hilldorf cleric trained as a soldier on the island of Minotarn before becoming a screenwriter, actor, and comic book writer. Seems like it took a weird turn. He came to prominence with the low-budget comedy buddy film Clerks. Clerics. Clerics. (laughs) I'm borderline illiterate, and that's going to hurt your jokes if they're real subtle like that. Since films don't exist in this realm, Kevin needed to conjure up a viewing portal with shadow magic and dragon's blood. Having no money, he maxed out his credit at the trading shop in Neverwinter. He followed the film up with Clerics 2, Hardly Clericking, and Clerics 3. Kevin's films can be found on Amazon, Hulu, Tubi, Voodoo, and Dragon Blood Portal. See, it works on two levels. See, it's a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> thing, and it's a film thing, right? I, I, I get it. I see, I see so, what you did. I followed so, it. Uh, Chris, you will be, uh, you're a high elf wizard whose name is Fred Savage. Um, so uh, there's your character sheet, and you can read your, your description. Um, your parents identified your magical talent early in your long elven life and arranged for you to be apprenticed with a kindly wizard in the city of Neverwinter. Your younger brother, Jimmy, went with, went with you. <laughs> California. <laughs> Went with you, but he has not spoken since the death of your sister Jennifer, and perpetually carries around a lunchbox while frequently repeating the words, California. (laughs) You excelled at your studies, forged friendships, specifically with another adventurer named Haley. And while you perfected magic to vanquish your foes, Jimmy perfected the magic to play systems of gaming in the Magic Dragon Blood viewing portal. After graduating from your wizard apprenticeship, you, Jimmy, and Haley set out on a quest for California, where you bested others in video game combat and played the first ever game of Mario Three. See, that's that's also a <laughs> that's also a, a film reference and a Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons thing. Um, so uh, and what was I a cleric? Oh, uh, a wizard. Of course, yeah, I'm a wizard. a wizard. I yeah, was going to say, was, if I wasn't a wizard, that's the whole joke. That's the, that's, joke, that's the whole man. joke. So that's so so. Sean's right here. He's Kevin. Chris is right here. He's Fred Savage. This podcast I'll is be the, a turn. I'll be the game. I'll be the dungeon master. And I didn't know. I didn't know that we would have a, a an audience. But I guess Greg can be the the character that I play, who's a Lightfoot uh, rogue halfling, and his name is Gordon. That's him, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> That's a music joke. That's not a film joke. I was gonna call Sean Grumpy Pants the Barbarian, but. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to get into it about Grumpy Pants. Okay, all right. We'll save it for for now. Well, after that fun segue, this month's letter was D, and we landed on my pick, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Was it better than a 2000 D&D movie? Let's find out. 
Um, how is everybody doing? We are filming in front of a live studio audience today. We have two members of the audience. Look at that. Podcast is really taking off. Uh, so yeah, what's what's new and exciting, guys? It's been a while since we watched the movie. Um because everyone's been sick, myself included. I'm currently staving off coughing attacks with my last cough drop. So fingers crossed that lasts the rest of the show. What's uh what's <laughs> new with you, you guys? Cough well, drops work. You guys thoroughly went over holiday movies when you last talked. We did. I didn't get to weigh in on holiday movies, so I could talk about all my holiday movies, or I could talk about the day I had today, or I could talk about Dungeons and Dragons related things. Which one? Which one should I talk about? I'm most curious about what holiday movies we missed. I feel like we did a pretty thorough job. No, you didn't miss anything. I'm no. just saying I would weigh in on no, no. no thoughts and feelings. Yeah, thoughts and feelings. I can make it. You know, you and me are the same person. I mean, your thoughts. Do so you and feelings want me to talk about holiday things? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And you want me to talk about what? My day. Dogs. Dogs. <laughs> Oh, right. no. oh, here we go. Right, He's got here. the D20. Oh. Roll, a, roll, a, roll You really a D, did bring props. Roll a D20. <laughs> roll a D20. We're walking down here to record. <laughs> I rolled a and damn Sean, one. And Sean says, he's bringing a bag. And I said he brought props. And we thought we thought it was a joke. He actually has props. All right, what am I rolling? Uh, you're, I don't, you want me to talk about dogs? I don't want to talk about dogs. I need the die to explode. I rolled a one. Okay, in that case, warm up. your day. Let's talk about your day. Okay. I got an eight. Eight. All right, and um, I guess add your what's your what's your charisma? Uh, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> My spell um, save DC I have a, is thirteen. I have a minus one charisma. I'm Fred freaking oh, Savage. Charisma modifier is minus one. I'm All a right, charisma machine. Um, yeah, I'll talk. I'll talk about my day. Um, um, yeah, it today. Today was a great day. Uh. It felt like a vacation, and I went to work today, which is uh, that's saying a lot about how my last couple of weeks have been. Um, yeah, I, let's see. I woke up this morning. Uh, I got Nate out of the house around eight, and then I had to go to the sleep doctor at ten. And it only takes like a half hour to get to the sleep doctor. So then I was like, I got time. Like, should I go back to sleep? Like, maybe I'll like brush up on what I'm going there for. You know what I'm saying? Get ready for that um, test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna walk in there and be like, I've been doing the work. I've been putting the work in, right? Um, so, uh, so I couldn't really go back to sleep. So I just decided to go to you know drive, start driving towards the sleep doctor. I got there early, and then I was like, I haven't eaten breakfast. So then I looked around for a breakfast place, and I found a place called Bagel Bistro. And I went in there, and it was kind of like a cross between like a like a um uh. You know, like a deli and like just like a breakfast nook kind of place. So like a cross between a bistro and a bagel place. Sure, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say there was a lot of bistro to it, but what is a? I don't know how to define bistro. I know bistro from the Hamilton Mall bistro sensations, and we would walk by there and, and talk, about, talk having about having bistro, a bistro sensation, sensation. But I don't really know what a, I don't know how to define bistro. I think we're getting a consult on what a bistro is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll just say that, uh, when I was, I ordered banana pancakes and they made me like the best goddamn banana pancakes I've ever eaten, I think. We interrupt this program with a special news report from our language correspondent, Greg. 
So the definition of a bistro is, in its original Parisian incarnation, a small restaurant serving moderately priced simple meals in a modest setting. Thank you, Greg. That couldn't be any more boring. Now I hate bistros. (laughs) Then it was, in fact, a cross between a bagel place and a bistro. (laughs) But yeah, I had some banana banana pancakes that were amazing. Um, And then I I went to the sleep doctor. um, And, uh, you know, I also walked in there with my cup of coffee from the bagel place, which... When you walk into the sleep doctor with your cup of coffee in your hand, like everybody kind of like looks at you like this is like they keep eyeing you up like this is a weird flex. But like at the same time, I feel like I paid for that coffee and I'm going to do it. And also, like, I feel like it's like, all right, well, like, like do your work, right? Like it's the same thing as like eating a whole box of Oreos before you go to the dentist. Do you know what I mean? Like you're going to charge me that $40 copay. Like I'm going to make you work for it. You know, <laughs> just looked at everyone and been like, it's roofied. What? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, things were good at the sleep doctor. And then I stopped at this like little podunk post office. Cause I had to mail three, uh, well, I have to mail three CDs. I signed up for this thing online where you could like swap CDs with people. I don't is know how it's going to work. the Columbia Record Company no, thing? I'm not sure if it's a scam or not, to Does be everybody honest. Everybody stopped falling for that a long time <laughs> but ago. But I definitely mailed three CDs today. <laughs> you just, just, speaking of the mail, did you get my package? Did you get that thing I sent you? No, I did not. You probably showed up today. I, if I, I, and I'm here. I honestly didn't know you were coming. I have that box that it gave to Sean upstairs. It's got full of uh, Christmas cookies and, uh, uh, and uh, M&M's mixed. I ruined you. it. You wanted me to come onto the podcast and be like, I got the box. I just, like, well, I'm here. Uh, anyway, um, Merry Christmas. You probably have some slightly stale cookies waiting for you when you get home, because we didn't mail them out in time. Nice. Now you can eat them and go to the doctor, or the dentist. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Prep for um, the dentist trip. Yeah, so I went to this little post office and uh, had this lengthy conversation with this very nice woman about how her son uh, keeps stealing all her snow shovels for his landscaping business, and then brought them all back at once, and now he ha- she has like 30 shovels. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. <laughs> Uh, and then I went to work, which again, didn't feel like work. Cause it was like just me and my colleague. And we were sort of like making up like shop projects for the upcoming term. So it was kind of cool. It was like, we just walked around and pointed to things and like knocked on walls and was like, can we drill through this? This seems cool. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, and then I went to my desk and I uh, made these character sheets for tonight. <laughs> and then I drove up here and I talked to my friend Kari in the car um, while I was driving. So she'll be excited to hear her name on the podcast. And now I'm here, living the dream with you guys. So awesome! It's 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 nice. It's nice to be nice to have a a day out. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have you here recording in person. This was uh, part of my day was figuring out how to record three people at the same time because uh every time we've done it before we've had like shared mics or we put one mic in the middle of the room or something and uh it never winds up sounding as good as i want and uh the way i figured it out was just use two different recording programs that's really boring for everybody and you're welcome Uh, other than that i don't have anything uh exciting to say other than christmas happened i got a new toaster um has a digital timer on it so when i push down there's a digital timer that'll tell me exactly how long until the toast pops up which I is use the old school method where when the black smoke starts coming out the top <laughs> and the fire alarm goes off, the toast is done. I can take it out and throw it away and stop trying to cook. That seems like a needless feature. Um, but I will say that I can't eat toast unless it comes from 
like the pop-up kind of toaster. Mm. Like I can't eat toast that comes out of the well, toaster, toaster oven. Toast is always so dry. It's like a, it's a different degree of heating. You know, it's our toaster. Toast. I don't want moist toast. My well, toaster. I don't want moist toast. I'm not saying Duncan <laughs> wants. <laughs> I don't you just think don't anybody want, wants moist toast. You don't want you don't want to want it to be a brick necessarily. <laughs> and um no, the thing with the, the the countdown timer is I'm making breakfast for the kids in the morning. So when I'm running around and like I can take a look over at the toaster and I can tell at a glance, either is it still counting down? Do I have fifteen seconds left? Or is the timer not there at all and the toast already popped and I didn't notice? So it makes my makes my morning a little bit uh, a little bit nicer. The toaster that I have is a toaster that is Darth Vader's head. <laughs> and when you put the toast in, there's a dial that says either light side or dark side. And then it toasts the Star Wars logo on the... It's got like a little gobo in there where it toasts the Star Wars logo on the toast. So I can only eat toast that's Star Wars toast. <laughs> there's, a new, there's a new Xbox toaster that does that. It looks like an Xbox. Except it's a toaster and it toasts the Xbox logo. <laughs> it's dangerous. You might wind up playing your toaster. All toasters toast toast. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh, Kevin? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm Get doing into good. it, Kevin. <laughs> Our hills are just mountains that haven't grown up yet. <laughs> the uh, I'm I don't have anything super exciting. Christmas just happened. Uh, I, I got a lot of cereal under the tree, like wrapped boxes of cereal, not from one person or two people, but three different people and not one or two boxes. I got a dozen boxes of cereal. Like mostly, interesting cereals or? Mostly O's. Okay. Do you know O's? I love O's. They taste like Garfield uh, and Friends looked. <laughs> <laughs> the best description and what i really don't know what that means what i really love is after i eat the o's then that last little bit of milk i pour that in my coffee i don't normally put sugar in my coffee so it does make my coffee a little bit sweeter um which uh is really enjoying first cup of coffee of the day feels like maybe somebody forgot you <laughs> and just went in the cabinet. Was, it sounds to me like somebody who knows him, and now I now I'm gonna buy him cereal it's, next year. You know, if it had been one person, that might be an answer. But it was multiple people. Three or four different people said to themselves, What should we get Sean? I know. A box of cereal and we'll wrap it up. <laughs> one person said a case of cereal and wrapped it up. They weren't wrong. I mean, I'm I'm I got a bunch of other stuff. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> what made me happiest <laughs> i'm not gonna lie if i had opened up like a, one of those industrial sized boxes of frosted flakes on christmas morning i probably would not have been upset about it in the least no why would you be free cereal the best kind of cereal <laughs> <laughs> all right well that was fun <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i guess we can uh start talking about the movie i don't I feel like it's been a while since we've all uh talked but i don't know what else to, well, does anybody have anything they really so, want to dive into beforehand we, we have a couple things we wanted to touch on i think oh right one of which that other movie is dave dave does a maze dave made a maze they made a maze yeah now i don't know if chris actually watched this one i did not no i, I did not watch this one so we'll although i did to... watch something else and i gotta figure out what it was <laughs> go ahead no, you talk amongst yourselves well we're gonna because you didn't watch it <laughs> <laughs> we will have to 
Dave made amazing. Well, so see, like I have no kids. I watched lots of movies. Paul has a kid. We're still able to watch some of the movies. Chris, no movies. <laughs> he didn't even watch Dungeons and Dragons with us. He's just a liar. Why? Did I talk Two about kids. the Matrix? Ever? No, on this last one. <laughs> I talked on the last last episode. I talked about the Matrix at all. Are you suggesting that the Matrix is a Christmas movie? No. Okay. I guess I didn't. It's not. It's not. No, it's definitely not. All right, I'll talk about that afterwards. I did watch a movie that wasn't the movie for the podcast because I was super sick, and it was that stupid Matrix movie. All right, go ahead. Talk okay, about we can talk about the new Matrix movie. I watched that. I've, uh, I've forgotten it. <laughs> we have two things. First, let's do Dave Does a Maze. Okay. Uh, I like alliteration. I was to say, but Dave Makes a Maze is still an alliteration. Dave makes a maze is still alliteration. As much so as Dave does a maze, but I'm going to go with mine. Oh, I got you. The, uh... Did you watch this before you suggested it, or no? No, I hadn't seen it. And you did watch it? I did watch it. I liked it. So, I loved it. <laughs> for the first 65%. Okay. And then, I really enjoyed the last 15%. Mm-hmm. There was this middle 10%. Where he, they tried to make is that the, when the everything was falling apart, sort of. It's where, so I could tell you where it was. Yeah. I could tell you where it was. So this movie, Dave Does a Maze, it starts out and it's fun and it's fantasy and it's exciting and it's adventure. It's a little bit horror, just a little bit, a little just bit, a little yeah. touch. Uh, it's it's honestly kind of weirdly topical with the Dungeons and Dragons thing because the maze is is like a labyrinth. It is. With the Minotaur, and that, uh, what, the way to destroy it was at the center of the maze, and then they had to, they couldn't get out of the maze. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I guess so we're explaining this for people at home, the, the labyrinth and the maze was made out of cardboard boxes in the guy's living room. And like, looked small from the outside, yeah. but once they got inside, they were lost. Like, his girlfriend got home, and he's like... I'm in here. And it was. It was just like it was like a box. It was. It looked like a cardboard box house, but like inside, it was this like impressive maze. Right, and and like 15 people go in to find them, and like a bunch of them get killed. And when they get killed, their heads like their head will get cut off, and confetti comes out, right, instead of blood. <clears throat> um, but then you're like, I think that person's really dead, and then you're like, you know, you're in a fantasy scenario, so you're not really sure about. A lot of stuff. Yeah, and like because it was because the inside of the maze was like an arts and crafts project kind of thing. Like there was there was monsters that were sort of made out of paper mache, or there was one point where they went into a room and they all became like paper bag puppets. Right. Like it was, yeah, it was very fanciful, very creative, uh, very fantasy. Belongs on a list with you know your dark crystals, your labyrinths, your that that type of movie. And I really enjoyed it. I think it, it had a, a good mix of, um, you know, you had some characters that were kind of uh, shocked by the situation and other people going along with it. It, it was great. It, it, for, for a fantasy movie, it was a lot of fun for the first 65%. And again, the end of it, they wrapped it up nicely, kind of came back to where it was going. There was an end. It was fine. There was about 10% of this movie. So what? Like, 13 minutes, right in the middle, or a little past the middle point, where they were like, oh, this should have a meaning. Oh, okay. And then it got real heavy-handed with me. All of a sudden, there was this one scene in specific, like, I started, it started losing me for like three or four minutes. I was like, wait a second, I'm bored. And then, as I'm thinking that, they have this scene where him and his girlfriend are sitting at a room, 
in the maze and they're just saying the same sentence back and forth to each other over and over and like each time they say it it has a slightly different meaning and the world around them is changing a little bit and all of a sudden it becomes a little heavy-handed where it's like you realize oh this maze is a metaphor for their relationship and he's stuck in this situation because he can't blah blah i don't know they tried to spoon feed some sort of meaning or 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 subtext i was like why can't a fun movie just be fun I was enjoying this movie. It was making me happy. Like, just let it make me happy. All of a sudden, they turned it into the board game of life, which I love board games. I own hundreds of board games. I hate the board game of life because you sit down to play the board game of life, and it's like, well, what are you going to do about your college loans? Are you going to have some kids? Because time's running out, man. You got that car payment? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the game? This is the game. This is what I do every fucking day, and now I got to play a game about it? Fuck this game, Grandma. You win. That's what this movie became for like 10, 15 minutes in the middle. They were like, oh, you know, remember all that fun you were having? Fuck that. Here's like a heavy purpose and meaning. And it's, you know, and now it's kind of tainted the rest of the movie a little bit. And I'm like, I, I wish you had just gone from this fun, exciting adventure fantasy situation right into the ending. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that I think that they sort of had to address that to a certain extent because there was all that stuff at the beginning. Where, like, she comes home and it's like, what are you doing? Okay, you build a card. This is what you spent your day doing. You built a cardboard maze. Like, it did seem like there was some, like, baggage between them at the beginning of the movie. So, like... Yeah, but I think 80s movies had the balls to, like, never touch on that stuff until the very end. And be like, yeah, okay. Well, that's just the way he is. Have a good night. And then the ends on a freeze frame or something. Like, And maybe that's it. Maybe I was spoiled by the movies of the 80s that didn't... They would just have a fun time and be like, fuck it, I don't know, maybe we didn't tie up everything. Maybe maybe there was some subplot that we probably should have gotten to that we left out. They all survived, and they learned to love each other for who they are. The end. Freeze frame, <laughs> we're out. That's it. And then the Minotaur breaks out of the maze and keeps hunting people. Yeah, Sequel. that happened at the end. See, yeah. I like that part. That was great. <laughs> that guy's just on the loose in the world now. It was pretty awesome. It's fun and exciting. That's fantastic. Now let's talk about Frog Lords of Humptown. What? <laughs> uh, are you talking about Hell Comes to Frogtown? Oh, and I also want to talk about Ever Ready Humphard. Ever Ready Humphard? I think that's what it is. But we'll come back to that. Let's talk about yours. Wait, what? <laughs> Go to the, I'm gonna go, die, Chris. Are you gonna make it? <laughs> no. Should I, should, I, should I have not been here? You guys are gonna kill me. <sighs> What's the frog movie? Tell me about it. Frog Lords of Humptown. That's what it's called now. <laughs> All right. So I thought we talked about this movie like two months ago on the podcast. Paul's saying we didn't. We've never talked about this movie because the other day I went and watched it like a month or two ago. Maybe less. Maybe like last month. Uh, when did I watch this? No, I think it was the end of September, early October, I watched this. And I thought we talked about it on here, and that's why I went and watched it. So now I think I'm just hallucinating uh, conversations with people, and then they're coming to reality. But my imagination's not so good, because this movie was a huge turd. I mean, <laughs> the, the nigh unwatchable. It's, it's like... Uh, a really horny 13-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. it's It totally skirts, given... skirts the line between maybe being something that you should have seen on Cinemax at, like, <sighs> 3 in the morning. 
the board. But you know what? I he, feel like he, he has to. Max at three in the morning would have a better plot. He has to. He he has to like help repopulate, right? Like he's a he is a guy, and he's Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. This is, see, this is why Sean and I are surprised that we haven't seen it before because we're big because fans of the they only Live. movie I did know by or not by, but starring him was They Live, which is a phenomenal movie and really enjoyed it. He's great in it. And yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> what that it's a phenomenal movie that he's great in it. He's perfect in, he's perfect <laughs> in that role for that role. And I love that movie. And so I, I I found out he'd made another movie. What is it called again? Hell comes to Frogtown. Hell comes to Frogtown. Okay. So wait, we should. Can you like? Can you pull up a, a description of this movie? Bio. Yeah, like a. Oh, I'll tell you. I'm looking it. up. I, I'm Roddy, looking Roddy up Piper on IMDb is now. The last man alive why with, with why active sperm, that? and it's up to him to this ride around the here. desert fighting mutants and impregnating women. Right? I mean, I I hit the key points here. Wow. But he's a little hesitant about it for no apparent reason. Like Hell comes to Frogtown. It seems anti his character that he is hesitant about well, it, but then he seems to be. They Oh, his character's name is Sam Hell. Yes. Oh boy. The official description from this nineteen eighty eight movie on IMDB is after a worldwide nuclear war where 68% of the male population, really, they didn't go for 69? How very dare you? The male population <laughs> was wiped out and virile men becoming a rarity. Sam Hell, a scavenger and a highly virile man, is assigned to help <laughs> rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid frogs. Which was another thing that didn't seem to make sense. It was like, if he's this commodity because he's a virile man, then either, like, keep him... Yeah, why send him out? Yeah, why send him on that mission? It was like, it was like, first you're gonna go out on this mission, and if you survive, you're gonna fuck everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like that was essentially the way it was framed. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't have much more to say about it than what we've said. And, it's bad, and all the bad guys are like mutant frogs. Yeah, the mutant frog people have kidnapped these women. It's. It's, it's just short of being bad enough that it's enjoyable. Like, sometimes things go so bad, then you're like, you're back to enjoying it, you know? And it's just, it's short of that. It's just bad. I was waiting for H to <laughs> voice this on you, but... <laughs> has this not been Mystery Science Theater? Because it seems rife for it. I don't know that it has I, been. I swear they skipped a couple real softballs on that show. I, maybe they were just too easy. They were like, this is too easy. We can't even, like... No, they probably couldn't get the rights. I think that's that's usually where that comes rights. from. Who's guarding the rights to this? I just watched it on YouTube. Like, it's just out there. Nobody's <laughs> protecting it. Well, the, the trailer certainly looks glorious. Great. The yeah. trailer looked great. I was really excited. Really selling me on it. Bad 80s movie. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Here we go. Yeah, that woman look- kicking a frog in the nuts. That's... That was a gem that 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 I felt like we should have we should have known before this, and uh, yeah, I was I was thoroughly surprised at how good slash bad it was. What about when, like, at the end when he <laughs> he fights that guy? Doesn't he like pull out a samurai sword or something? Where you're like, maybe you should introduce this earlier in the movie. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> 
I'll be honest. I, I was very focused for like the first 30 minutes. And then it, it became like, I was like, well, let me work on something over here while this is playing. <laughs> like I was still watching, but uh, it was a month or two ago and I, I wasn't super focused after that. That's how I watched a lot of things uh, over the last couple of weeks because I was sick and I just like needed something to be on. Um, I watched a lot of Christmas movies that way. Uh, I will say this because I don't want to get too deep into it because you guys just spent a whole episode jib-jabbing about Christmas movies. The whole genre unto itself. Um, I, so we showed, we showed Nate Die Hard. Which I know what you're gonna say. That seems irresponsible to show a 11 year old Die Hard. I was irresponsible to wait that long. I saw that. It was. It. I. I. I don't. I, I don't regret my decision. I think it was. I think it was very appropriate. I think that, like, like a lot of the violence, like that is, 80s violence, is already sort of dialed down because they couldn't really. Like, you couldn't really show, like, bullets going into people's heads and stuff. So there's a lot of editing that's already, like, you you hear the shot and you cut away and you see the blood spatter. You know, like, there's some some things in it that already sort of make it a little more palatable for, for you know, kids. And then I'd say the other thing is the cursing. But, like, I also felt like it wasn't a movie that... Like, there's movies with, like you know, teenagers just, like, mucking around, like, you know, just gratuitously cursing, and it feels gratuitous. Like, with Die Hard, I feel like there's the appropriate amount of cursing for one government agency that comes in and takes over for another law enforcement agency <laughs> that has a guy in a building that they don't know where his allegiances lie and what's going on in there. Like, I completely agree. <laughs> like, Everything about that movie is so rational. There's a like, lot of FUs and a lot of calling people like pencil dicks and things like that. And I feel like all of it is completely justified for what's going on. Just, like, what do you think just, I'm ordering a fucking pizza? <laughs> just tell your kid, you know, as soon as you are, uh, you know, the lead detective of the NYU, is that who? No, it was uh, California. LAPD? Yeah, it's LA. He, he was Los NYPD. Angeles. He was, yeah, he was right. NYPD. So as soon as you're the lead detective, the LAPD, and the FBI comes in and steps on your jurisdiction and kind of gives you a hard time, you can, you can use the word pencil dick. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. I mean, it is, a, it is time. a master class in teaching children the appropriate way to react. If Hans Gruber shows up to take over your home, <laughs> these are the things that you are allowed to do. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Can say if, motherfucker all you want. If Bob Genghis Khan is out to kill you, you are allowed to say whatever word comes to and mind. Steal your candy bars, exactly. I like a style. Yeah, but we were like, "Do you want to watch a Christmas movie?" Nate was like, "I know a Christmas movie. It's called Die Hard." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, we'll we'll watch Die Hard." So yeah, well, we, yeah. If he brought it up, we, absolutely. Yeah, we we plan on showing and that smoothly. He thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, we plan on showing our kids Die Hard this coming year. I will say that um, the one thing, like, uh, the movie completely holds up. Like, it's a perfect movie, I will say it, it holds up. The one thing I did sort of think about as far as, like, introducing it to a modern audience is if Die Hard was made now with cell phones, like, Die Hard couldn't be made if they're cell phones. Right. Like, cell phones ruin Die Hard, is what I've <laughs> Well, decided. I mean, all they gotta do is, you know, block the cell signal in the beginning of the movie. Even though there was a cell phone in the car, yeah. a car phone that was like a brick. Um, so yeah, we sh we showed him Die Hard, and then since we were on a roll with like Christmas movies, I was like, I I wanted to show him Christmas Vacation, 
Um, and see if he's 11 and he hasn't seen that, that's where I'm going to give you a hard time about being a bad parent. <laughs> like, what he, are you doing? He didn't get into it. Like I thought he would like a lot of the stuff that was, that I thought was just like crazy outlandish when I was little. Like, I think now because of movies, there's so much more crazy outlandish things. Like he, I don't know. For some reason he was kind of like, eh, Okay. What I found myself keying into more when I watched the movie was Chevy Chase was like, I found myself like really identifying with this guy that wanted to provide the perfect Christmas to his whole family. You know what I mean? Like, whereas when I was a kid, I was invested in all the goofy stuff. Like yeah. I found myself really tuned into, to, to that part of it with the, with this viewing. Um, I will say with the thing with that, which felt like not that it didn't hold up, but that I was like, wait, what was, I was like, that guy was expecting a Christmas bonus that was big enough to put in a pool. <laughs> like that's a thing that happened in the eighties. Yeah. You expected a Christmas bonus that was big enough to put in a pool. Like that hasn't aged well. No. <laughs> Karen's company has officially pulled that this year, by the way, not like, they stopped giving them Christmas bonuses for the last couple of years and replaced them with like things like, Oh, here's, here's a thing instead of a Christmas like jelly bonus. of the month club. Yeah. And then this year <laughs> there was just nothing. They just didn't even mention it. Uh, no, no, nothing at all. But last year, did they give them a jelly of the month club? No. Cause that would have like been a, a good, that would have been, that would have been, been like, I know it's coming off. next year. I mean, if you, if you're going to, if you're going to Grinch like that, like go the full nine, get the jelly of the month club and out to your employees and be like, just don't hide it. <laughs> this, this is what we are this is where we're at now my kids love christmas vacation we've been showing that to them for years and they so they love all the the goofy stuff they love uh they ellie loves it when he fla- falls through the ceiling when he's stuck mm-hmm. in the attic um and when he's stepping on all the boards they crack up at that part i think john's favorite part is uh the sled mm-hmm. that was my sister's favorite part mm-hmm. too he always cracks up at that uh absolute classic and yeah die hard 100 percent. that's another one karen and i watched every year and it's never not great. That movie is so freaking good. And it's so good on, on a level that none of its sequels, I think, can even touch. Because the first one is just this perfect slice of... He's not an action hero. He's a guy that's scared out of his mind just reacting to things. And then everything past that, he becomes more of like, I'm going to do this badass thing. And it's like, none of the things he did were badass because they were badass. He's like... He's telling the guy he's gonna cook him and eat him because, like, he's just angry and I'm gonna cook you and I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> he's scared out of his mind, jumping off the roof of the building, tying the hose around his waist. Like, it's got such a wonderful sense of realism to it, even though it's completely absurd. But it's so grounded. It's a perfect that, movie. It, yeah, it's it's a perfect movie. It's, the second it's, one's just the first one on a plane, and the third one's great. But I will agree, not none of them touch the first one. After the third one, then it really just becomes so wild. The third and the fourth one. I thought the third one was infinitely better than the fourth one, but I think the fourth one's watchable. I think it's. I think it's okay. I don't even remember which one's the fourth one. The fourth one is. Um, he's teamed up with Justin Long, who I think is the sister's boyfriend or right. fiance or something, and there it's like a cyber terrorist that right, is right. Um, was that the one that Kevin Smith was in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so at a certain point, they stopped trying to write Die Hard movies, and they started taking other movies that were written to be action movies or or whatever, and saying this could be a John McClane vehicle. 
so the third one was actually a script called Simon Says. Because remember, the bad guy's name is Simon, and he's <laughs> like, go here. Was it Jeremy Irons? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. Um, but um, anyway, the third one was called Simon Says, and they were like, maybe it doesn't have to be this random cop. Maybe it can be John McClane, and it turned into... And they didn't yeah. call it Simon Says Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I am terribly disappointed. It was already there. It, it was, was right there. there. The fourth one was a script called, oh God, Analog Hero in a Digital World or something like that. You know, so it was like they, they were like, this could maybe be a John. Cl-. You're like, when you, when you think about it, you see it. It's all the, right. like, he's, he's like, I'm not going to do this computer thing. I'm going to bust heads. But yeah, but then, then the fifth one, they started trying to write diehard movies again. And it's like, all right, well, like, this, this, there's nothing more to do. <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson is gone. <laughs> there's, there's nothing more to keep us here. <laughs> it's the only reason I was showing up every time, just to see if he'd come back. Look, ah, I see. I promised myself I wouldn't do this because you guys talk so much about Christmas movies. But I'll. So, oh God. There so needs to be another Die Hard movie where instead of Reginald Bell Johnson, it's Jaleel White. All right, now move on. <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of love to see that i would love to see that didn't the didn't the fifth one introduce like a son for john mcclain maybe john mcclain's son squares off against jaleel white <laughs> i mean he does have it he has a son and a daughter yeah and you think jaleel white is his friend but then he becomes his enemy yes oh man that'd be amazing amazing oh, it was, what the what was it? i had a good joke but i think it might be too on the nose and i don't follow enough news just in poor taste Okay. <laughs> um, I, so, look, I'll say this. I know you guys had this round-robin conversation about uh, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Like, so, I, one of the other movies I watched over the break that people claim is a Christmas movie was Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. This started getting me thinking about what constitutes a Christmas movie. Is it just a movie with snow in it? Like... Well, so did that movie even take place at Christmas? The end. The last scene did. did. Yeah, I think it takes place over six months because the beginning of it definitely starts over the summer. They're like the Avon ladies going around ringing doorbells. They all invite themselves over for a barbecue. That's like saying Harry Potter's a Christmas movie because Christmas happens at one point. But see, this is the thing. I think some people think that things are Christmas movies because Christmas happens at some point. For me, I think there has to be. I think it's got to be two things. I have. There has to be a conscious decision. To make the whole thing take place at Christmas time, mm-hmm. right? Or in the, you know, the month of Christmas, the days leading up to Christmas, whatever. Christmas being the goal, right? Because, um, like, when you think about it, you could make Die Hard not a Christmas movie. Like, you could make that movie. It didn't have to happen at Christmas. It didn't. Like, he could have just been flying out there because he hadn't seen his family in a long time. It, it that been party could have been the merger party. Yeah, and not yeah. the, you know, but like, once you make the decision to set it at Christmas, so many things become more clear. Like, no, the utility companies aren't going to want to come down because it's Christmas Eve, right? So I think, like, the conscious decision to set it at Christmas is one thing. And then the other thing, I think, is people discovering the meaning of Christmas or, like, the meaning of Christmas for them, mm. right? So, like... Again, I think with Edward Scissorhands, nobody, like, discovers anything. Like, he just leaves, and they're like, well, he's up there, and that's why it snows. 
But like in Die Hard, I think the thing <laughs> for me that's the meaning of Christmas, and I'm not going to say that it sneaks up on you because I think you see it coming, but I think the thing that sneaks up on you is how effective it is. Is like the budding friendship and respect between Al Pal and John McClane. Like, you know, because like in the, in the, in, at one point there's like anonymity to it. He's like, he's not saying his name. He's like, I'm Roy Rogers. And like, you know, and like, uh, uh, like, like Al Pal's telling him about the thing that happened where he's afraid to, use his gun and why he's been behind a desk and John McClane's talking about his divorce and stuff like that. And so it's like these guys are making this connection and are having this like mutual respect for each other. And then at the end, when that culminates in, you know, John sort of rekindling his marriage and Al like saving him, you know, like I think that, I think that moment's the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the meaning Thanks of Christmas was church with me. <laughs> That's where they teach you it's all about fists with your toes. <laughs> That's the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, I watched a little Batman Returns just to kind of refresh on that one. That is definitely a Christmas movie. You as well. feel like that you feel like that both is a conscious decision to take place at Christmas and tells you the meaning of Christmas? It definitely meets the first requirement. It definitely meets yeah. There's very specifically at christmas and uh the the meaning of christmas uh is electrocuting christopher walken right <laughs> i think i did hear that at church that, yeah. that might be right i'm gonna have to revisit that one i'll let you know what i think 100 yeah, percent. the spirit of christmas is electrocuting christopher walken well uh that was a good show yeah <laughs> good show good show dozen dragons is a neat flick yeah uh yeah, I was going to talk about Matrix Resurrections, but it's not very interesting, so I'm not gonna. That's all I have to say about that movie, is it was a movie that happened, and I don't I think... I thought it was it... fine. I... Exactly, it was fine, but... It was fine. It... I was so over it by the time I saw it that I was like, I don't I liked I don't it better than the third. I really didn't like the third one very much. The third one, there was like no rules, right? Like It just got... Remember, remember in the second one, they had that fight on the cars and stuff, and there's like rules. It's like, if you fall off these cars, you die. Right. Like, I feel like in the third one, they were, like, throwing buildings at each other and planets and stuff. It was just it was anime like, nonsense. There was no that's, it, that's, it turned into weird th That's exactly what it was. It was anime end. nonsense, which I like anime nonsense, so I enjoyed it. But the third movie was really just the rest of the second one. Like, the third movie does not stand as a movie at all. It's like, this is the rest, this is the rest of this one. That's all this is. We made like, the fight scenes too long, so we had to make it into two movies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, which is, in all fairness, that's the one thing the second one really did do just as right as the first one is the fight scenes were great on that top of crazy the brawl mm -hmm. with all the all the smiths is still yeah. one of my favorites there was lots of great fight scenes I, the, the action it. choreography is still top notch in that second one but you didn't have an a plus science fiction movie like you had with the first one the first right. one was great on so many levels exactly the first one should have just been all there was to it the right? second one was a great action film not much more but that's fine the third one meh. what which one? I can't remember if it was the second one or the third one, but like, isn't there one where the guy from Lost who plays Michael and he's got dreadlocks in the uh -huh. movie? Mm -hmm. He's in the yeah. second and third second major. And third. Like, where he's, he's just like, Link. he's just like the audience. Like, remember, there's Pretty like, much. Yep. there's ships going around shooting things and he's like, yeah! Go! 
which is a very anime thing to do. Oh yeah, it is. It's an extremely anime anime thing to do. do. Yeah, that movie was just ridiculously anime. Anyways, well, Dunstan Dragons. (laughs) This was a wild movie, guys. This was a wild movie, start to finish. Like, just the the cast was crazy. Jeremy Irons, Thora Birch, uh, what, what, Marlon Wayans, right? Like. This was a this was a a cavalcade of stars. You left out the star, and you left out uh, what's his name, the the British guy. He's talking about the other Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh well, jokes on you. (laughs) I watched both movies just to be prepared. So go ahead, roll your d twenty to see which movie I talk about. Oh god. (laughs) First things first. Let's talk about let let's get the basics out of the way here. (laughs) Crying out loud. Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves was released on March 31st, 2023, and was distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. It took two people to write this movie. And written by Chris McKay. Jonathan Goldstein has, has had more of a writing career than a directing one, being credited as a writer on Horrible Bosses, Vacation, and Spider-Man Homecoming. John Francis Daly's credits are nearly identical, which is weird. And as for the writer Chris McKay, he is known for his TV work, including Robot Chicken, Moral Oral, Titan Maximum, and more. The movie stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Ray J. John Page, I think that's how you say that, Uh, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, and Hugh Grant. It tells the story of a thief and his grumpy friend who get caught stealing, then try to win a little girl's trust back by stealing other stuff and stopping Hugh Grant from being an asshole. Sean, it cannot be done. It cannot be done. Sean, Greg, and I watched this uh, together via nefarious means. Uh, the part of Greg was played by Melissa, and uh, there were delicious mini butt cakes involved. Mini butt cakes? Mini butt cakes. What's a mini butt cake? <laughs> mini bunt cakes. Oh. Okay. All right, let's see. what. Uh, what I'm going to roll to see what movie Sean, uh, what, <laughs> what movie, movie Paul talks about. Talk about? All right, uh, I rolled an eight again. What are the odds? Oh, what's your strength modifier? Uh, Lie! He can't see your paper! It's plus zero. (laughs) I said lie! I'm gonna talk about the other one. (laughs) I'm gonna talk about the 2000. No, I'm just kidding. I will not talk about the the 2000. Sean was very angry about the 2001 even existing when when he was over. Also, to be transparent, I only watched three quarters of it and that was hard yeah (laughs) i've never seen it i don't want to so we'll talk about it for two seconds we got dressed up to go to this movie because we were excited i think i might have said this last time when we picked this movie uh i was angry about it because it's one thing you go to a movie that you're excited about and like it's not good it's another thing that was daredevil right we we all got dressed up and we went and saw the ben affleck daredevil movie and it wasn't good Right, it it wasn't it wasn't a great movie. I had a good time. I had a good time that it's night. Better than the, the two thousand Dungeons cut, and Dragons. The director's <laughs> cut is a, is a little bit better. It's a little bit more palatable. I don't know why you would cut out a Coolio subplot. That just seems like blasphemy. See, I think Compares- when you're talking about dressing up to go see a movie and being disappointed, I think the Crow City of Angels. Well, so right, so it's a whole nother thing, and and even Star Wars: Phantom Menace. Like I remember going there, and it wasn't nearly as good as the original Star Wars. It was a little bit of a letdown. Dude, compared to the 2000 Dungeons and Dragons movie, it's uh, a whole nother... Daredevil is like Citizen Kane. That's what I'm saying. Like Daredevil. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's one thing to be like, this wasn't great. It's another thing to be like, 
You've made a mockery of something that I enjoyed. And I didn't even play Dungeons and Dragons, but I was with a lot of people who did, and I, and I enjoyed games of that genre. And here you are presenting it to the world in the worst possible light. So, and, and boring at the same time. Not only bad, but boring. Just insulting, enraging. It was, it just was, walked out just like... It was dense. Like, you didn't fuck this. know what was happening. Like, okay, so... I don't know. I, I promised myself I would like sort of wait till later to to do this, but like it, it's 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 sort of pointless to even compare the two things because they're they're not even in the same league. But like, I one thing I was really impressed with with this new Dungeons Dragons movie, which we all watched, um, was like this is a thing with a dense mythology, with like volumes of books that explain spells and like where people are from and how things work and stuff. And this new Dungeons and Dragons movie, it just showed you stuff. It was like, hey, here's this stick. Oh, it's not a stick. It's a hither thither stick. Oh, how's it work? Oh, it does this. You know, like, we didn't need a whole, like, they just showed us, like, like, they covered a whole lot of ground by just going like, oh, here's this thing. Oh, how's that work? It just does this. That 2000 Dungeons and Dragons movie was like, in the realm of Kentucky, in the, in the Village of Klebel, we found a, like like they spent twenty minutes just telling you a thing that you didn't understand. Which is why this is the same problem Lord of the Rings, the book has, in my opinion, compared to The Hobbit. The Hobbit just told you stuff. You're like, and here's a happy little song to break it up. Moving on. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, they wanted to tell you who made the chair that was in the corner that no one even sat on during the meeting. Like, <laughs> right, why? Right, why are we right. talking about this? It's like in the what's the um, thing? Uh, Outlaw. No, not Outlaw. Um, uh, cave Dwellers. The Mystery Science Theater Cave Dwellers. Cave Dwellers. Griba, son of Flagma, <laughs> keeper of the seven keys of Ventusler. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we're done with the old one. It's bad. Don't watch it. Oh, how did I watch this one? Yeah, um, how did you watch this one? How did I watch it? Uh, uh, so, believe us or not, I watched it on Blu-ray disc. Ooh. I heard tell that Blockbuster was going to stop selling Blu-ray discs. And I was like, I'm going to go buy a bunch of them. <laughs> Wait, Blockbuster sells Blu-rays? Wait, oh, Blockbuster sorry, not Blockbuster. exists? Best Buy. Best Buy, right. Best Buy is, is going to stop selling Blu-rays. They are. Yeah, there was like, after Christmas season, we're, we're done selling these. We're taking them off the shelves. And I was like, I'm going to scoop up all I can. So I went a little nuts. I got, um, got a whole bunch of Spider-Man movies. Uh, like all the new ones, and then I got like the two Venom movies, but it was like in the same package. And I got like the Spider Verse movies. I got a whole bunch of Spider Man stuff. I got um, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, I got what else did I get? Something else that I don't remember. The markup on DVDs is astronomical. It's it's seven cents worth of plastic. Well, I got all I got all the ones that were marked way down. Right. Uh, Why would they stop carrying them? I don't know. They they think people nobody's everybody streams everything. Huh. Yeah, it's all about the shelf space. They're gonna put oh. more things in there that they think that they can actually sell. I got that trilogy of Planet of the Apes movies, which oh. that became a big hit in my house. I didn't expect that. They like, were great. Nate was Nate was like, put in the next one. Like couldn't wait to see how these monkeys turn whatever. Anyway. So you know what? The first two were great, the third one was fine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you gotta take them all as one thing, but yeah. 
Um, but anyway, I got it on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't remember what I ate or drank because it was a long time ago. I think I had some pudding. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, I'll just start by saying that I liked it. I didn't take a whole ton of notes on it, but I was a. Uh, I had heard the movie was bizarre, and it was indeed a bit odd. Uh, and it didn't. It took itself just seriously enough. Like it was not. It wasn't devoid of emotion, and you could see the the character, like the the emotional beats coming from like a bajillion miles away. Like, okay, he's gonna use this resurrection stone not on his wife. I could see that coming from the beginning of the movie, but mm. like, I just, I it it still it was still effective when it happened. Like even even though I saw everything coming, it was still the movie was effective enough that it uh, I, I was affected by it in positive ways. And it when I think the comedy worked too. It was. It was goofy. It was fun. It was funny. It looked nice. Um, I, I enjoyed it. What What did you think of the beginning of the movie? I don't even remember the beginning, the beginning of, of the movie. movie was it made the me long laugh. Scene where it made me laugh so hard. Where he's like, maybe Jonathan wants to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the, the bird guy, Jonathan. Where their whole plan is to like jump on the bird guy yes. and fly out oh, the window. God, I right. laughed so was... hard at that. So, but it, that was quite was, quite the payoff. It was also brilliant. It was so effective, right? Because just like like I, you know, I I I think that there is a I think there's a need with this movie to have it mirror the Dungeons and Dragons experience. It is it is called Dungeons and Dragons. It has all this stuff and the people that play it, you know, band together much like this group of people and have a campaign. Like I think there was uh, I think one of the things that did really well was wanting the experience to mimic that and that was such a great way to give all the character backstories on these sheets in like this beginning thing, you know, it was like, here's these people, here's how they got there. Here's all the players in this game and like how, how we got to this point. And it was just infused with that amazing comedy where he keeps stopping and going like, you know, who would appreciate this? Jonathan. Where's Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the movie did it. The movie did a great job. I, I enjoyed the movie. It did a great job with a couple different things. You said, it didn't get too dense, and it didn't. It, it it kind of brushed over some stuff, and it was like, here's a little bit of this, here's a little bit of that. It touched on a lot of stuff, which I think when you're doing a movie from, when you're making the movie of something, you come into that with that heavy weight of whatever it is, whether it's a video game or a board game or whatever it is, you've got a fan base. And like, if you don't touch on some of the key points mm. and give them at least a couple of, of deep cut nuggets right. mixed throughout... You're going to piss off the people who actually like this thing. You're, you're not going to give the fans what they want, but you have to make it broader. So they did a great job of making it real easy, not getting dense, which the first movie screwed up, and this one did a great job with. They didn't take it too seriously, so you still got some of that light-hearted humor. And I feel like I caught some of the references to a bunch of different things because I do play other games that are adjacent to Dungeons & Dragons uh, that reference, like, uh, you know... Various locations I picked up on. Right, Boulder's Gate does... Mm -hmm. a, there's a... What is that? House on the Haunt on the Hill. There's a Boulder's Gate version. I think they mentioned Neverwinter and... Uh, right, and then yeah. there's, you know... So I did pick up on a bunch, and I'm sure that I missed a couple more. There was a couple other things that I'm like, I'm betting that was a reference to something that I missed. 
And that that's what you got to do. You got to make it accessible and light so that other people can watch it, but you have to have enough of it so it's not just... You can't just have a, a movie about somebody with a sword and there's a dragon and be like, oh, it's Dungeons and Dragons and right. not reference anything. That's just going to piss people <laughs> which, off. Which, that seemed like it was the strategy of the first movie. It was like, in the first... 20 seconds, let's show a dungeon and a dragon. <laughs> Check the boxes. We'll call That's this what movie this movie Dungeons and Dragons. We'll call this movie Marlon Wayne's Dies. I could be wrong, but I think that terrible movie had like four or five direct-to-DVD sequels. Oh, maybe. If I'm not mistaken. And I think you can watch them all on, like, Netflix. Well, now I'm doing that. You shouldn't. <laughs> Having never seen them, I, I I feel pretty confident telling you that's a mistake. And your life is better than that. <laughs> life is better than that, Paul. Okay. Says you. 2005, Wrath of the Dragon God. Oh, 2012, God. The Book of Vile Darkness. I I mean, I have to assume they're linked in some that way. That first movie point. should have been called The Book of Vile Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they kept pumping them out. Somebody must have watched them, I guess. Or how do you make a fifth one if no one watched the fourth one? Who's, who's greenlighting that? What executive? I don't know. I like, g- well, we lost a ton of money on the last one. Let's, let's pump out another. I well, guess. I think the thing was they kept putting less and less money into them, you know? <laughs> the last one is just a guy with a cardboard sword that's running around in the woods screaming well, about, look over there! I don't think they put a lot of money into that 2001. Like, it felt like it was like, send somebody around to all the prop closets on the <laughs> on the studio. Let's get everything that looks old-timey and put it in this scene. Like, that's, I mean, that's what it looked like to me. Like, it looked like, you know, and like, 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 and then... There was old-timey stuff, but then there was people that, like, didn't even look like they belonged there. Like, Marlon Wayans was wearing a hat that looks like he got at a thrift store. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was so the, super weird. On the IMDb page for the third one, um, Book of Vile Darkness, uh, the first piece of trivia is, the movie is extremely difficult to find via legal distribution channels. This is probably primarily due to the distributor going bankrupt in 2018. And then the first featured review is average movie, vastly better than the previous two. (laughs) Vastly better than the previous two. It's an average movie. That's that's, that's saying a lot. Tell you a lot about the first two. It's saying plenty. But yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about this. This you know this newer one. The you know the one we're actually here to talk about. Um, and how how accessible it was. Like, um, yeah. I mean, again, I just I thought there's so much to this thing and there there's certainly stuff that i didn't know what it was you know where it was like something you know something you play in the game something that you know only the the diehard D people know but it didn't bother me like it's it was all very accessible like, yeah, i never felt like i was missing context and and like there like there was stuff that could have been complicated like i i know i like i referenced that hither thither stick i thought that was one of the best you know, the best done thing, you know, because then that became kind of integral to their, their plan or their backup plan or their backup plan to their backup plan, whatever it was. Um, but, um, like, like even when they were going through that maze and they were, they were encountering all the monsters, there was one thing that looked like a panther that had like crazy tentacles. And then like, it could like project itself somewhere else. 
seems like it's a pretty complicated thing. They're just like, no, nope, here's how it works. Like, you know, the, if you, if you cut it together in the right way, if you show it the right way, where it's like, you know, oh, they think it's coming and they jump through this thing and save them there. It's like all of a sudden, all your questions about this monster are answered. This is the way it works. It is a panther that projects itself near itself. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Nailed it. Yeah. And they worked in the gelatinous cube, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not easy to work in that in a semi serious movie, mm. right? If you're doing a silly cartoon, it's fine. But uh, my favorite part, <laughs> the gelatinous cube of life. <laughs> they worked in the uh, the silly cartoon too. The main characters from the cartoon made a cameo appearance in the. Oh uh, yeah, the end. that was great. Yeah, what are you talking about? In in the maze, the other people running around were the 1980s cartoon characters. Oh, wow, <laughs> that was really well done. That's cool. Yeah, and that's that's wonderful fan service because if you didn't know, then you lose nothing. Like mm-hmm. th- not knowing that that's a reference to something else. You don't lose anything, but knowing it, you're just like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, the, the 1980s cartoon is probably the most knowledge I have from Dungeons and Dragons, which is probably not a great source of knowledge for Dungeons and Dragons, but that's what I got. And they, they tip their hat to it. <laughs> yeah. I have like vague memories of that cartoon and a couple of Dungeons and Dragons video, video games over the years. But, uh, for the most part, I really don't know much about the property and I, I didn't really feel like I was wanting for any information. I just, I appreciated how well it was put together. I appreciated that they took, like you said, they took into consideration, not just, we're not just making a movie about the lore of D and D we're making a Dungeons and Dragons movie. So we're incorporating elements of it being like a story being told and a party having to band together and all Mm -hmm. that other wacky stuff that happens with real D and D games, including the fact that you never know when they're going to get together to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Watch half the movie and then see when all your friends can meet. <laughs> Which theoretically they're going to, I think uh, Chris Pine recently said like, it's going to happen. They're going to make another one, even though this one didn't do extremely well, they want to do it again. So they're gonna, but we don't know when. Well, I'm y- surprised it didn't do well. Oh, I, I am too. I thought, I mean, it was great. I get. I mean, the was, first one. What is else was going on enough. that summer? Yeah, that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of competition right now. Movies are pretty spread out. Well, let's but maybe see, people just was, aren't going to the theater as much. This was theater. in March of this uh, March of last year, no, 2023. I thought, I, I thought it was over the summer. I thought it was like a summer blockbuster. Well, when was Super Mario <laughs> Brothers? Because that was the highest grossing movie of the year. That was, I think, that was the summer. Well, listen, while you're looking that up, this is this is what I'm going to say. You you mentioned I I knew you were going to start ragging on Miss Grumpy Pants. Like when we watched this, I was like, Chris, is, Chris has got a lot to say about Grumpy Pants. I don't. She was fine. She was grumpy. Well, so this was <laughs> this was <laughs> she wore pants. This was the thought I had watching this. Right. At a certain point, I said to myself, like, wow, they're really like doubling down on the franchise ability of this movie, right? Because, like, you have to imagine that this is something that was... Like, it's so hard for anybody to make a movie now if it doesn't have a built-in fan base. So, of course, they're looking for these things that they can franchise. And, like, this is a thing that has that has a built-in audience. And it's like, all right, like, this is obviously why it was chosen and that it's a thing that could have... 
you know, longevity that they could make a bunch of these sequels if it does well, right? Um, and then I started going, like, even the casting seems like they've tried to capitalize on the franchisiness, right? Because, like, I start thinking about what are the other franchise that, you know, what are the other big, you know, big franchise juggernauts out there? And, of course, like, you can't ignore Marvel. So I think they were like, all right, we need a doofy Chris. And they were like, Marvel's got Pratt and Hemsworth and Evans. So, like, somebody got Chris Pine on the phone. Don't let him take any other movies. Get Chris Pine. Get him to commit to this. Right? So, like, that felt sort of franchisey. And then, like, <laughs> also... Sorry, hockey. <laughs> also, um, like, also, like, even some of the writing and acting choices like like felt like they mirrored stuff that was success about successful about like thor ragnarok for example or like thor you know the, the last two thor movies i guess ragnarok being the better one um right because it's like you've got this world that's sort of like old-timey mystical fanciful whatever right and then you bring this like modern sarcasm to it which all the characters sort of brought, which I felt like was something that was successful about those Thor movies. Um, you know, because the first two were very like, oh, ye oldie blah, you know, and then once Thor starts hanging out with the Avengers, then all of a sudden he's a smartass, and, like, he brings that, that um, you know, sarcasm into Asgard. Um, so I thought that whole dynamic worked really well for this Dungeons & Dragons movie because that's what you would have if a bunch of people sat around and played. Like, exactly. you'd, you'd be in a world that's fanciful, and then you'd be saying stuff like, kick them in the nuts, you know, like, you'd be talking like, you know, people today. So, like, I thought that worked really well, and wasn't weird like it was in the 2000 movie, right? Um, and then, you know, I started thinking about Grumpy Pants, and I was like, oh, sorry, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her some respect, Michelle Rodriguez, um, uh, cause I was like, alright, like, you got Chris Pine, they were like, don't let him take a Marvel movie. Then it seemed like they were like, okay, Fast and Furious is a big thing. Like, you know, let's get somebody from the Fast family. And so I started thinking, like, all right, that's why they chose her, you know. And, like, look, admittedly, I don't know that she's got a ton of range as an actress. Like, uh, I don't think I've ever seen her play, like, a doctor or, like, a, <laughs> like, like a fast-talking news reporter. Dr. Right? Grumpy Pants. <laughs> but... What I started noticing was I was like, dude, she's got some, like, screen combat chops. Like, I started I started noticing that in that scene where, with the axe, where she, like, uh, you know, where she takes the brick and stops him from chopping off their heads and then, like, starts beating the guy with the axe. Right. And then, like, I was kind of like, that was, like, her kicking ass for a lot of that. And then I started paying attention to it more and more. And like I, I, and I know that there's a lot done with like computers and editing, but like I feel like she's got some like impressive moves. Um, but then like there was another scene where I was like, oh wow, she's really doing this. And then somebody slapped a helmet on her head, and I was like, all right, well now it's a stunt double. <laughs> but, but um, I like I have to imagine that like if you're gonna make a movie like this with a lot of fighting, that like if you've got somebody that really knows their way around that, that that's going to be a commodity for casting, you know, like, and I don't know if she's 
pick that up from the Fast and Furious movies. Say, she just did ten action movies. She yeah. got to have some degree of screen combat. But yeah. I thought I thought she did some pretty impressive stuff in that movie. So uh, Super Mario Brothers actually came out less than a week after this did. So that's probably so just, like Super Mario Brothers was like in May, April fifth. Oh, okay. So this was March thirty first. This was April fifth. So this was just. Well, that, no, no yeah. question. Just got trounced by that. That's what it was. Juggernaut this summer, yeah. which is a bummer. But um, yeah. I liked the Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> and I liked this movie too. This was, it was fun. Uh yeah. I can't think of much else to say. Hugh Grant was a. Uh... See, now I can remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> we we're talking about the Wonka movie, which was apparently pretty decent, and uh, I I could not think of Hugh Grant's name. I kept thinking of Hugh Hugh Jackman and Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Either of which I would love to see in Oompa Loompa 4. Yeah, I would see Hugh Jackman as an Oompa Loompa. He'd be like, schnickety snarl. Oompa Loompa de doo. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about this movie. It was good. It was competent. It it hit all the right notes that it should hit for a Dungeons and Dragons movie. I would highly suggest seeing it. Yeah, I loved it. I wrote a bunch of notes, but then I left them at home and brought all this weird D&D stuff. <laughs> so that happened. Um, These character sheets are really filled out. Like, I've got I've got all different strengths and dexterities and constitutions. There's a lot going on here, man. I printed that from the internet. And then okay. I typed the thing on the back. <laughs> I'm going to choose to give you lots of credit and that you did a ton of work. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else I loved about it. I, I certainly loved the scene where they had to ask the questions to the corpses and they only had five questions. Mm -hmm. That scene killed me. Um, it was great. That was good comment. And uh, I loved the one where the guy was like, like where he was still alive. And they're like, I guess we got to come up with a couple more questions. And they're like, what's two plus two? And he's like, I'm bad at math. And he just dies. <laughs> <laughs> like, that made me laugh real hard. I um, love the scene where the apparition of... Um, Chris Pine started getting all deformed while singing. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. It's good comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, again, a bunch of stuff that could have been really dense, but um, was really palatable. Like, like, what is a red wizard? And, you know, how does that all work? Like, like, didn't matter. She was the bad guy. She had red wizard magic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, I thought even the, um, I thought even the whole crew of people worked really well together. Um, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and then... <laughs> oh my god, the fat dragon! Oh, the fat dragon! I loved the fat dragon! That was the chunky dragon. Oh, it was the best. Why was there a chunky dragon? I mean, I got a kick out of it. But... I'm so glad there was. I loved that chunky <laughs> dragon. That made me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, again, the uh, the comedy was good. The comedy, the jokes landed pretty well without going too far. It was just a, a well-crafted film. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like, some of the banter between them all was great. Like, I liked how, you know, Chris Pine didn't really have any skills other than playing the lute <laughs> and, and, you know, thinking on his feet. Um, and then that, you know, that was... Like, I, I don't know, I thought it was really funny in the context of, like, a bunch of people creating a campaign to play, you know, the whole thing, like, alright, well, this this is our B plan, well, isn't our, isn't our, or what, what was it, isn't our C plan just our A plan, isn't our <laughs> D plan just our B plan, like, that's, it was, it was great, it was, the whole thing was great. 
Um, yeah. Since I forgot my notes, that's all I remember. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I guess uh, that that about wraps it up on on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I don't have anything else to add, so it's a uh, thumbs up all around. And I guess it's time for us to determine what our next movie is going to be. So uh, I want to go last, but I was looking up e movies and I stumbled upon. I went down some sort of rabbit hole about Everhard lot. Oh, this is what you were talking that I had no idea yes. what you were Sequel saying? Sequel to the Frog movie? <laughs> no, no. I, I don't know why this... It's like I was going through e-movies, because it's not that many e-movies, and listed on I, uh, Wikipedia in their e-movie category, if you're just flicking through, like, trying to find something. Sure. There's, like, a 1920s porno cartoon. It's the first porno cartoon... And it was made by like three. And it's called Everhard Humpsalot? Something like that. Wow. The, they... guy, the car- cartoon character's name is Everhard, and he like accidentally has sex with like a donkey and a cow wow. while he's trying to have sex with a woman. And it's like a. It's, it's a. What did he trip? I, <laughs> for the and, and another man, like, there's like a naked woman buried in the sand, and he like takes out his penis and tries to have sex with her through the sand, but then the sand blows away and there's a guy on top of her and then he's, his dick is stuck in the guy or something. For the 1920s, it sounds like they went all in on that name. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's Ever Ready, Harton, and his buried treasure. In buried treasure. Oh, see, Everhard humps a lot feels more on the nose. <laughs> Ever Ready is right there. Ever Hard, Ever Ready. This, mm. is, this is... But yeah. 1920s first porno cartoon ever. I, I think I got to track that one down for our e podcast. I'm giving you the heads up now. Well, I think it's probably better if I go first. Um, I will need some assistance. I, yeah, I've... 19. Suck it. <laughs> Just short of a critical throw. I've narrowed it critical down roll. to around hit. nine movies, Don't and worry. I will need your help in narrowing it down further. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. Uh, Sean. Huh? Holiday movie or not holiday movie? Not holiday. Chris, holiday movie or not holiday movie? Not holiday movie. Uh, Okay. Uh, Sean, roll a d20. (laughs) We both said not holiday. I know. So roll a d20 to see. Two. Uh, That means it's (laughs) a holiday movie. Man. <laughs> all right you really want a non-holiday movie no it's fine we go with the die what is it you okay i think you're gonna be happier that it's a holiday movie go ahead okay uh christmas halloween or fourth of july we just discussed that halloween is always best so i'm going halloween christmas halloween or fourth of july fourth of july yeah sure fourth of july i can't think of any fourth of july movies all right both of you roll your d20 halloween gets an eight it's eight as well. A third. It's my third eight of the night. Do we re-roll? Re-roll. Re-roll. Halloween gets a four. Son of a bitch. I got a six. Six. Wait, no, a nine. Nine. <laughs> so that means it's Fourth of July. Fourth? Yeah. My pick is Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> Ernest goes to camp. So before we did this, I said I wanted to go last because I had a heavy one and a light one. If you guys all went light, I'd go heavy. And if you all went heavy, I'd go light. My light one was Ernest Scared Stupid, which would have been the Halloween Ernest movie. Wait, so I got it. I'm actually I'm actually kind of happy because Goes to Camp was my ringer. 
if it, <laughs> yeah, it, goes to campus, yeah, it was my ringer i didn't really have nine movies right <laughs> it, so so if if i said holiday movie i was going obviously with uh you know saves christmas scared stupid or goes to camp which is my fourth of july movie right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then if you said not holiday movie i would have said school camp or jail <laughs> <laughs> so camp was in there twice because that was the one i really wanted to do so <laughs> stack the deck i'm gonna watch her to scared stupid <laughs> no matter what we vote on fair enough me too fresh well, meak. uh then i guess i'm uh i'm in a similar situation here where if I'm an, I'm, an, I'm I'm not going to build up too much of this. I'm an enormous Star Wars fan, and I've never seen this, so my pick is Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. Oh, <laughs> I, I've only seen one of the Ewoks movie. I think it was the other one. Is that the one with the two kids? Caravan of on? Courage. I think that's the one I've yeah. seen. The Caravan. See, that of one's Courage. just called Caravan of Courage. This one's officially oh. called Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. So that's why I could stuff it in with the letter E. Okay. It, my other pick was E.T., but no, I want to oh, see Ewoks. Which one's got Wilford Brimley in it? Oh, let's find out. Which one has Wilford Brimley in it? Is it Caravan of Courage or is it Battle of Endor? I think Wilford... It's Battle for Endor! Yes! <laughs> I think we know where Paul's voting. Yes! <laughs> All right. It's hard to go up against Wilford Brimley. And again, if you guys had gone Bring heavy, it. I was going to go light, but you both went light, so I'm going to go heavy. Bring us home, Sean. We're Give us go... something we can invest in here. We're going to go with Evil Dead, because I didn't see the new one. Uh, oh, the new one. Yeah, okay. the new one, not the old one. We've all seen the old one a hundred times, I assume. I haven't seen the new one either. Me neither. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's trash. No idea. Okay. Okay. And go. <laughs> oh, man. Ewoks it is. Wow, I thought that was... I thought there was no chance that was going to happen. All right, we're watching... Well, then why did you pick a movie with Wilford Brimley in it? <laughs> I didn't realize he was, he was in it. I'm not upset about it. I'm just surprised. I can't believe we didn't do Cocoon. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, I believe, is readily available on Disney+. Plus, So uh should be nice and easy for everyone to find. And that's uh, that's it. That's our show, everybody. Theater Near You is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. You can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several others on the Geekade Podcast Network, check out the Geekade Patreon, linked to in the show notes. It helps keep this show running week after week, or month after month, and our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in a theater near you. Roll the die!